Coming up on Jason and Natty, either your league is already in their first week of playoffs or it's do or die time for those of you who have playoff games next week. We'll be here to recap an awesome week of action from week 10, run a few victory laps from the preseason, and of course, bring you a whole new slate of waiver wire pickups for those oh so important matchups in the weeks ahead. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Henderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty Podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. I hope you had a good ride to your work last week as well, because again, we needed to take a little break. Again, I had some master's work that I needed to catch up on, and also I just needed to take just a quick break, get myself rejuvenated for these last couple of weeks. It is playoff weeks for those of you who have six or more teams in your playoffs this week, and if you have only four teams in your playoffs... This is do or die week. A lot of you guys are probably one one win away. You're just trying to avoid a loss to uh, to solidify your playoff spots moving forward. So we definitely got a lot to talk about and make sure that you guys are prepared for that this next upcoming week. But we also got to recap this last week and we got definitely a lot to talk about. Again, really appreciate you guys joining (laughs) in. Again, it is... Uh, again, I'm Jared Palmgren, and of course, joining me as always is my wonderful co-host and CFF analyst, Mr. Nate Marquise. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I am uh, overall. I'm doing pretty good. Um, my voice may sound a little raspy today. I uh, no lie, am working a little bit through a hangover here. Um, it was kind of a, a, an interesting Saturday. My my wife did a surprise 40th birthday party for me. Oh, wow. So you just didn't know that you're turning 40 this weekend? I I was aware of the date and aware that 40 was coming. Uh, My birthday was actually on Wednesday earlier in the week, and we went out and, you know, out to dinner or whatever. No big deal on on Wednesday. And then on Saturday, I've been telling her all week, like, hey, listen, um, Saturday, I just I just want to chill. I want to watch the game. You know, OU plays it at two o'clock our time. And and, uh, I was like, there's kind of a big game also coming on at two thirty between a couple SEC teams I'm interested in watching. So, yeah, nothing that I thought was going on. And then she's like at at three o'clock, she's like, hey, um, why don't you get dressed? (laughs) A buddy of mine owns a owns a bar here in Kansas City. She's like, why don't you get dressed? And we're going to go over to Kyle's bar and i'm like absolutely not this game the ou game is on espn plus it is not even on tv um kind of interested in what's going on with georgia and tennessee and she's like no you're gonna get up and you're gonna go to the bar so we did and turns out my family had driven up from five hours away from wow Oklahoma city to uh to come up here and there was about uh 25 other friends uh that were they were up there hanging out as well. So it was total, total shocker to me. Did not expect to see uh, my parents and, and my brother and all that. So it was a good time. And uh, I didn't miss much because uh, OU sucked at football yesterday. So um, it scored some points. Okay. 
<laughs> they always score points. Uh, they, they just never, they just never stop the other team from scoring points. But yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a pretty fun, pretty fun Saturday after all. I'm glad that she was uh, able to pull off that surprise, and, and we had a, we had a blast. Yeah. Uh, well, again, first of all, happy birthday, happy 40th Thank birthday. You. As, uh, as uh, I was taught when my dad uh, turned 40, it's all downhill from here. So enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, w- I will. I, I'm in good health. So I'm, I'm feeling good, even though I'm 40. And it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit tougher to wake up the next day after having a few drinks the night before. Um, Understandable. Other than that, everything's good, man. Yeah, my my Saturday, uh, I would say it was just a normal Saturday. But again, I game day was in town. So of course, yeah. I had to grab my sign had to go out there. And I freaking nailed the shot uh several times uh, i got over pat mcafee's shoulder during one of his segments and it was just like clear as day right there yes. behind him and then pretty much uh when they got back up on the main stage i had found a spot where basically anytime they focused solely in on god who was it? uh reese davis i had it over his shoulder nice. so that was That's fun awesome. i was glad i was able to get in on that Campus was buzzing yesterday. Again, we'll definitely talk about the game here in a second, but uh, it it was it was really great to see a big time football game in Athens this year. There was a lot of people who were a little concerned when we le- first looked at the schedule this year that there was not going to be any big games really for a home game in Athens this year. But we were wrong. We got a top three matchup, and again, we'll definitely definitely get into all that here in a second. But yeah, it was a great time. Uh, have you have you ever been to game day? Has game day ever been anywhere near you? Oh, okay. What, yeah, what yeah. matchup? So I, um, Bedlam a couple times. Oklahoma. Okay, Oklahoma fair State. enough. Uh, there's been game day. Um, so the, the thing is with with so whenever I was in college, I lived a stone's throw away from the stadium there in Norman, okay. and um, it was really cool when they would have game day. It would be right outside one of the main entrances of the stadium. Nice. And so yeah, I would I would just get up early and. And head over there now again i'm 40 so i'm old um game day is different now than it was uh whenever i was in college in the early 2000s so you could you could just get up walk out of bed you know get out of bed walk over you know and get there um you know right at 10 a.m 9 a.m or whatever and, and it wasn't like that crazy i mean it was it was crazy but it oh, wasn't yeah. like it is now where you're having to show up you know really early in the morning or whatever but i mean You'd be surprised. I got there about nine thirty, and like, yeah, there's a ton of there's a ton of people and everything. Right. But I've again, this is actually my third game day I've been to in the last two years because I was there yeah. last year when they came for Georgia and Kentucky, and then they also came for what was the other? oh Georgia Arkansas. Uh, they came they came for both those games, and so like I've gotten to the point now where I've learned how to kind of weave through the crowd in order to get to the spots that I want. Yeah. It, it kind of helps that I'm I'm a solo person in the crowd typically, so I'm not like trying to bring people with me. But again, you'd be surprised how it's it's it is it's a lot of fun, man. We oh, it's we, fun. we would yeah we would have a good time. Usually, it'd be myself and my brother. Sometimes my roommates. We we would all get together. It was uh, it was a blast, man. Game game day is a good time. It really really is. All right. Uh, we'll get into some of these recap of some of these awesome games from this weekend. We had another great weekend of college football. It kind of started off a little slow in the noon slate, I would say, but then it really things really, really kicked off uh, for the 3.30 and the 7 p.m. slate. So we'll get all to that in a second here. But first things first, you guys know what I got to do. 
it's been two weeks since I've given my spiel, and like it, it felt like I was missing something last week. Like not only was I missing the love and support that all of you guys give me for CTN last week, but I also just had this feeling that I had to give my spiel out there to somebody. So now I'm going to give it to you guys again here. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, or if you're listening to this on podcast, come check out the YouTube show. I have started adding like little graphics and stuff like that to kind of give you something to look at as well while we are doing the show. Again, obviously we have the main graphics here on the right side, but again, got a little ticker tape going down there at the bottom now, gives you a little insight into the top performers from the past week, top performers on the season as a whole. So come check that out. Again, little things that I'm doing to try to improve the show week by week. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to this on podcast, go ahead and follow us there and make sure you leave a five-star review. We're part of the CFF team here at Campus of Canton. It is myself, the wonderful Nate Marquise above me, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley. We got podcasts, articles, rankings, CFF tools for in-season and off-season stuff. So we got CFF ADP in the off-season. We got CFF in-season rankings for you guys. And then go check out the rest of the stuff we got going on at CampusofCanton.com. Like I said, we got articles uh, whether you need CFF, whether you need DFS, whether you need prize picks, all that good jazz, our entire team has got you handled. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, Ethan Sowers and Chris K. They have been doing our DFS work, and they have been absolutely killing it and making sure that you guys can earn some money during your time during the season. So, yeah. Let's talk about some of these games from this past weekend, Nate. And I think it's... Because of my homerism, and I can't avoid my homerism, we got to start with Tennessee, Georgia. And, oh, baby, it is good to be a Georgia Bulldog. It's the biggest game of the year. We should definitely start with this thing. Biggest game of the year. Um, I let out a different side of me yesterday in terms of just a a little bit of trash talking on Twitter and everything. Because, man, this game... (laughs) I again, I know, boohoo, Georgia. Like, you guys have it so hard, but man, the disrespect that Georgia was getting coming up into this game about how if Bama couldn't slow down Tennessee, how could Georgia slow down Tennessee? Tennessee's going to hang 50 on you guys. And I stated earlier in the week, I said, Tennessee is not scoring above 35 on Georgia. And people were telling me I was crazy for that. There was no way that Georgia would keep them under 35. Well, guess what? Final score 27 to 13. Probably would have been a higher scoring game had there not been an absolute deluge beginning in the second half, going into the beginning of the fourth quarter. Really slowed the game down all around. But even still, Georgia dominated in this game start to finish. Quavius Bennett is back. He's got the fade. (laughs) He's got he has the stats to back it up. He had three touchdowns in this game. 257 yards passing again probably would have been higher had we not taken the air out of the ball completely throughout most of the third quarter and man georgia georgia was chucking that thing around they looked more like what tennessee was supposed to be looking like than tennessee did so enough of my homerism nate what are your thoughts man (laughs) so like i mentioned I, i i haven't had a chance to watch the the second half of this game and and i was kind of preoccupied with with everything going on yesterday but i did get to watch a lot of the first half and man, full disclosure i used to i used to not be able to stand stetson bennett i really could not i i i found him insufferable but i will say this over maybe it's kind of the the theme of the show here maybe it's my old age coming out now but there's something i kind of like about this like what seems like uh, another 40-year-old man uh, <laughs> out there dominating on the field. 
And just this chip on his shoulder. Just, I mean, this kid plays with absolute, I shouldn't say kid, this old dude plays with just absolute moxie. And he is he is actually really entertaining to watch. And and we messaged about it yesterday. He's crazy fast. We talked oh, yeah. about it before. This dude, that run he had on that touchdown um, over there towards the pylon, I was like, my God, every time I watch this guy run, I forget how fast he is. He's he's pretty yeah. he's pretty damn fast. I I I think it was um I can't remember who said it on ESPN, but one of the guys on there said he is he is deceptively athletic. Like you don't you look yes. at him and you have no idea that this dude has a possibility of running a sub four four. But that yeah. but, but then you see it on the field and you're like, holy crap, this dude can move when he needs to. I wish we would move it just a little bit more. But but this idea that Tennessee was just going to go into Athens and just run their system up and down the field, um, have no issues whatsoever moving the ball because that's what they did against Alabama. Um, number one, that that game was at home against Alabama. It's this yep. is this is on the road. It's a different environment, different situations. Really hard to kind of run things as smoothly on the road, especially when it's crazy, like I'm sure Georgia was yesterday. Oh yeah. But I mean, also Georgia's just a better defense than Alabama is. Let's be honest. I mean, Alabama is and, and there were signs of this even before the Tennessee game they are not as good of a defense they are not as sound as Alabama is despite having just some absolute freak show athletes on the um you know on their defensive line like Anderson and some of those other guys I mean it's oh, yeah. just Georgia's just that good and I, I was I'm like you I was surprised that that people thought that that Tennessee was just going to be in and and have no issues with them um i expected georgia to win this game it went about i expected tennessee to play a little bit better on offense but like you said maybe the weather was also a part of that towards the end of the game too so instead of them scoring you know 20 to 24 points they only got the 13 yeah again i i think the the weather took took the pointage down from this game completely yeah uh both both teams were kind of struggling in that deluge during that part so georgia only scores again my, my whole thing was georgia's going to score more than 36 tennessee's not going to score 35 georgia didn't reach the 36 but again had there been fair weather throughout the whole thing i feel like georgia probably would have made it to 36 uh had they been able to run their whole offense and then like to be fair to tennessee they probably would have hit above 20 20 points at some point if they were able yeah. to run their whole system but regardless of anything again the win felt good it was a prove it win for the dog uh a lot of narratives got busted again i put out a tweet yesterday i'm like but stanford's but stanford stadium crowds aren't impactful they had seven uh false starts yesterday and they they reached 130 decibels in that stadium yesterday to give you an idea for those of you who don't know how loud that is um that's crazy loud. A the whiteout at Penn State reached 101 decibels, and 101 decibels is as loud as a New York subway station. Georgia reached 130 decibels yesterday that's, that's in Sanford. Really loud. Yeah, um, but even so, in addition, like Georgia can't get sacks. Georgia had like six or seven sacks on Head and Hooker yesterday. Georgia's secondary can't keep up with Tennessee's receivers. I believe their longest pass of the day was like 30 something yards. Georgia can't outscore Tennessee. Well, obviously they did yesterday. Yep. It was a good time. Enough of the Homer talk. Let's talk about some of the other games. Let's go to the other top 10 matchup. And this is the one that I think was decidedly the better game. A lot of people were dis disappointed with Georgia-Tennessee. Well, Georgia lived up to the expectations. One other team did not. But Alabama-LSU, night game in Death Valley. LSU has found something here. They have, ever since the Tennessee game, they've really been on a roll between Florida, between Ole Miss, and now alabama they're playing some really, really good football down in Death Valley. 
I knew this game would be tough for Alabama. I honestly did not expect, though, LSU to actually be able to pull this off. But quite frankly, both it was a slow game for the most part up until about the fourth quarter when it was just about which team was going to make the most plays at the end of the day. And LSU and Brian Kelly, credit to him, went with the gutsiest play of them all. At the end of the first overtime, he said, nope, I'm not getting a shootout with Alabama any further. We're going to end it here, right here, right now. And I think somebody pointed out it was the same play that Clemson played on Alabama to win the national championship. They played at the two at the yeah. uh, for the two point conversion, and they converted it again. So extra extra hurt on that final right there. But Nate, what was your overall thoughts on the Alabama LSU game? So a little bit more defense early on than I expected. Um, Alabama under under Bill O'Brien, it still just doesn't look like they're they're really hitting on all cylinders. It still it looks more challenging than it has in the past for Alabama and 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 over the last you know maybe five to six years or so for for Nick Saban. But I mean, you got to give credit to Brian Kelly. I was totally interested to see kind of how things would turn out in LSU um, because it's such a weird hire, you know, without him being from the South and, and, and all that, but the dude can flat out coach and such a ballsy call at the end of that game. And I, I, I often wonder, I'm like, would I ever go for two in these situations and just end it? Um, I don't know if I could make that same call and I'm, just it was a great play call it was a great execution and uh, kudos to them i i don't know if they played on a neutral field that they could beat alabama um but that's what happens when you play nighttime games in death valley um yep. lsu usually finds a way to pull those things out no different here yeah and going back to the alabama side of things i think you nailed it on the head with the bill o'brien stuff like there's no way he is offensive coordinator at alabama next year i'm surprised he no. survived after last year it was very clear that things he he's just not as good of an offensive mind as we kind of give him credit to and god bless the school that tries to hire him as a head coach like i just i don't no, really I, see it i think it's totally going to be one of those situations where nick saban's not going to fire him but he's going to be like, hey, man, this job's open, Nebraska, whatever. That, that job's open. You need to go get it. You mm-hmm. need you need to go get it. And he's going to put a good word in, you know, hey, talking to Nebraska. Yeah. But Trent you Roberts ain't saying great. He's a great guy. Yeah. But you got to go. You got to go. We we can find better than this. Well, the other part of this is, and again, play calling, obviously a, a problem for Alabama right now. But the other part of it is, is that none of these receivers truly are stepping up for Bryce yeah. Young or in Alabama in the way they have in the past. Ja'Cory Brooks, to his credit, had a good day. Seven receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. But even still, like, <clears throat> normally what makes Alabama so dangerous is they have multiple of those guys. They have yeah. guys that it, if you cover one, you leave two more of them open. And they're just not getting that right now. And it's weird because they have the talent, it feels like. It's just they're not getting the talent out like they used to. Like, like, again, guys like Jermaine Burton, guys like JoJo Earl. Now, granted, JoJo Earl is still kind of coming back from injury. I think he'll be good in the future. Um, but some of these other guys, it just really feels like that nobody else is really stepping up for them right now. I think that's part of their problem right now. Did you see Ja'Cory Brooks had 19 targets? Did he? I didn't even see that. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah, 19 targets and for Brooks. And only seven receptions. 
Seven receptions, 97 yards. Yeah, and I, also I just don't think this offensive line is as good as what we're no. used to seeing from Alabama. And I think that's part of the problem, too, is that Bryce Young's having to – um you know be be a magician back there and that's you know that's going to throw the timing off of things and that's what this offense has always been predicated on is this timing and that, i mean that's how it that's how it's looked over the years under under Tua and 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 everybody i mean it's just it's about timing and then they're able to exploit um some issues of the of the safeties creeping up and and these speedy wide receivers that can go deep on and and that's that's just not happening right now nope all right, we could go into some of these other games. Again, Notre Dame upsets Clemson. Clemson, I think, pretty much most of the media agrees at this point, is outside of the, outside of the playoff conversation now. They got with that. They, they got absolutely demolished in that Dude, game against how, Notre Dame. Real quick, how about um, DJU getting pulled? Klubnik comes in, throws, throws a one pass, intercepted, and then back to DJU. What a, what, that is, that, okay, what a disaster. That, that's one of the worst things I feel like a coach can ever do is you take your young guy and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this game but you you take your young guy you take your young player you throw them out there and you say hey this is your chance like and everything like our team's down let's let's throw you out there let's see what you can do he throws a pick and then you just sit him right back down no never mind no never mind. <laughs> and no that is a absolute confidence killer for these players like i that what a terrible coaching decision right there you throw Cade klubnik right back out there because you made that decision you said we're making a switch here unless it really was for one play in which case why still that again quick many rants over um other part of it ohio state call it a struggle win against northwestern they could they couldn't really get much going for most of that game defense stepped up they kind of they scored a couple touchdowns late in order to get it going. Weather had a big impact there. Can't knock him too much, except for the fact that I played C.J. Stroud, hoping that he would demolish Northwestern, and then he only got me ten points on the day. So that sucked. Yeah, um, that, that that weather was that was bad. I mean, there there he wasn't good. No, I'm not gonna make any excuses yeah. for him. But I mean, when you're having to throw into a pretty steady forty mile an hour wind and, and precipitation and that type of thing, oh yeah, uh, that's tough, man. That's it, that's it, tough, and 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 it sucks seeing Travion Henderson with that with that late scratch. Uh, oh, everybody yeah. was expecting him to get rolling again. So well, man, it's just it's so hard to get so hard with these Ohio State guys, man. It seems like it they're just holding everybody out. There's there's only like two games on their schedule between Penn State and, and Michigan that they even have to worry about. Yeah. And the other part of it is that I feel like it, it was weird that Ohio State took so long to move away from the passing game. Like Northwestern figured out pretty quickly that the only way anybody's moving the ball in this game is if we're running the ball. And they he's got, a, get, he's got a Heisman on the line. Yeah, I know. I know he's got a Heisman on the line, but it doesn't really matter when you then go out and <laughs> throw for less yardage than the North. The Northwestern quarterback had more passing yards than CJ Shroud. That is a problem. That is a problem. My 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 favorite tweet about this game this game and and it's it's from my boy Scott Bell who's who's oh, big Michigan big Michigan big Michigan Homer but his tweet that just said have we considered that maybe Northwestern's just really good I was like that that <laughs> one in eight Northwestern a, yeah I was like that's such a good tweet oh my gosh um, USC got another, another shootout with California well to be fair California came back late scored twenty one points in the fourth quarter to make it kind of interesting but. USC doing what we were kind of hoping they would do throughout most of the season, and that's just yes. have to continuously keep scoring points because their defense can't stop anybody. I love it, man. They're, so they are plus 18 in the turnover margin, that's which is ridiculous. just insane. That's insane. Caleb, 
Caleb Williams has 32 total touchdowns on the year with one interception, zero fumbles. This this team hasn't lost a fumble all year. And the defense, I, I just remember watching like the first few weeks of the season and they had like, like five pick sixes or something like yep. that on defense. And I'm like, this defense sucks. <laughs> like they're, they're really bad and they're just getting so lucky right now. And then sure enough, man, over the last... Over the last three weeks, they are just leaking like a say, right chicken, now. I mean, chickens so are coming bad. home to roost. Yeah. Um, last game, I do want to spend just a little bit of time on this one because this is a CFF show at the end of the day. So we got to talk about a game that rewrote the record books when it comes to how many points can be scored in regulation for a college football game. Of course, we're going to talk about Houston SMU. Final score in this game. 77-63. No, that is not the score to a preseason college basketball game. That is a real football score right there. All in regulation. This is not LSU, Texas A&M going to eight overtimes a couple years ago. No, this was all done in this the allotted 60 minutes. Clayton Toon and Tanner Mordecai both had nine touchdowns in this game. Um... No, no, no. Uh, there were sixteen quarter. There were sixteen touchdowns between the two of them. They both had seven passing touchdowns, and they both had one rushing touchdown. Absolute insanity in this game. Like, what do you even start with this game? Like, I, I watched it, and it wasn't even like the defense. Like, obviously, the defense was playing poorly. You don't, you don't score sixty <laughs> points and seventy points on a team without the defense is playing poorly. But at the same time, I'm watching it. And I'm like. This is just teams making plays right now. Like some of the catches the wide receivers were making, the throws the quarterbacks were making were just perfectly on point. Nobody was getting overthrown consistently. Uh, Nate, what do you think, man? It's, I mean, it's two really, really big time offensive minds that are meeting right here. It's, you know, it's, it's Lashley versus Dana. And while it won't have the same cachet as um, when Oklahoma and T and Texas Tech got in that monster shootout a few years back, um, because it, you know there's not Pat Mahomes and Baker Mayfield uh, yeah. making the plays here. I mean, you're not going to get that from Mordecai and Tune, but but at the same time, I mean, geez, it was 50, 56 to what thirty five at halftime. I mean, yeah. that's that's insane. And I mean, there's obviously, I mean, this is a case of just two really good offenses just happen to be clicking at the same time. And neither one of them have very good defenses. And sometimes we get these crazy shootouts and it's beautiful, beautiful when it happens. Shout out to Dwight Peoples and John Lobb in the Kings classic league, where Dwight thought that him playing Mordecai this week would be the nail in the coffin for John Lobb only to look at John Lobb's team. And John has played Clayton tune across from him and i'm like i would i would hate myself so much if i'm like yes i played the perfect play he had the perfect counter yeah dang it dude imagine imagine how many people had mordecai on their bench just based off yeah. of his recent injury and the fact that he just hasn't been all that impressive this year there's a lot of people that did not get the 10 touchdowns that uh that he put up yesterday i was one of them i had him on the bench in two leagues <laughs> that's crazy so yeah that's a recap for the week and everything again a lot of great football but let's go talk let's kind of move on here and before we get to our waiver wire pickups and who you guys should be looking at for your uh playoff runs and everything nate and i feel like it's about time we take some victory laps so again we, we would have done this last week but again needed a break so we're gonna do it now 
and we're gonna go through four takes that we had during the off season that we felt like we got absolutely right. If you wanna hear about the things that we felt like we got absolutely wrong, go check out the show from two weeks ago and we will. you can definitely laugh at us for that. But first things first, let's talk about, we got two here uh, that Nate and I are both kind of on. So we're, we're gonna kind of share the victory laps here and then afterwards we kind of each have our own little individual ones that we uh, feel like smiling big about. So first things first, let's talk about the Virginia Cavaliers offense. Nate and I were big time off of this offense the entire offseason. I did not draft Brent Armstrong once. I may have picked up Keaton Thompson in one or two leagues where I felt like there might have been some value. And those those leagues were definitely the ones that Chris K was not in because Chris K took him about seven rounds before I would have considered him. Um, a Dontavian Wicks I never got because he was always going in the fourth, fifth round. I just I avoided this completely, and it has been great so far. Nate, why don't you go ahead and talk about it? And I'll look up where these guys are finishing so far well, this it's, year. It's just an example of, and we talked about this all preseason of how big of an impact coaching changes make yep. when it comes to college fantasy football. And uh, I just felt that the the loss. Um, of Robert Denae from Virginia and the addition of of, of who they added, um, you know, coming uh, from Elliott and Kitchings coming in to run that offense was just a, a massive, massive change. And I, I honestly didn't think that Brennan Armstrong was that good of a quarterback to begin with, but he was somebody I targeted a lot last season because of the system in which he plays in. And I, I put out a tweet, um, and this was before Saturday's game. Uh, and obviously, he played North Carolina, which definitely helps. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing fixes um, your your issues. Your offensive be- better woes. Than, your offensive woe is better than playing North Carolina's defense. But even still, he had Brendan Armstrong had six total passing TDs through, I believe, eight games uh, earlier this year, and he had, and. and he had five passing touchdowns in one game last year and he had Mm -hmm. six through eight games. And there were multiple games where he had four last year as well, too. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a woeful, woeful offense to watch. And of course now it sounds like they've got a lot of injuries along that offense as well with a lot of their playmakers. Oh yeah. Same with Dontavian Wicks. He was somebody that I highlighted in the, uh, in one of my uh, stock down reports uh, before the season started. So, I mean, it's just, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a battle around. I just looked it up. Brennan Armstrong currently going, or cur- not going, uh, currently on the season is the QB 47, and that has a lot to do with some bigger performances that he had in week 8, week 10, and the very first week of the season. Otherwise, he is consistently outside of the top 60 quarterbacks on a week-in and week-out basis. No way that you're playing this guy unless you just know the matchups that you want to play him in. And even... Um, and again, obviously, we probably would have played him last week if you had him and you were continuing to trust in him. Because again, like Nate said, UNC defense is always there to help you out on that. And they're wide receivers. Oh, Nate, Keaton Thompson is currently the top wide receiver for UVA. Um, what wide receiver rank do you think he has on the year? Hmm. Um, well, he didn't even play yesterday, which was probably their best offensive performance. Um, I would say he's, I mean, he's got to be outside the top 75. Yep. Yeah. Outside the top hundred. Outside the top hundred. Outside the top 150. No, he's, he's, he's within 100 and 100. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is, he is currently wide receiver 112. Our good friend Dontavian <laughs> Wicks currently wide receiver 199. It's just been bad all around. And like it was said, one of those it was one of those situations with with both Wicks and Armstrong. We kept moving him further and further down our preseason ranks and I was like I feel like this this they can't be this bad, but I'm like but I'm not going to invest in it. No, I, I it, it was a complete avoid for me. And it, yeah. it, it it is a lesson moving forward, I think that people do really need to take these coordinator hires and system hires very seriously. They yeah. need to understand that, like, hey, talent is a lot of things. And talent is very important, especially if you're in a C2C league and you're looking for guys that are going into the NFL. Like, talent's a very, very important thing there, obviously. But at the same time, if you're trying to earn points in college fantasy, you have to pay attention to the systems and where they are going. Definitely will want to look into that more during the offseason. One of you suggested in the survey that we do an entire show dedicated to coaching trees and how systems have kind of flared out across college football, how they've changed over time and everything. That would be a great show and it'd yeah. be something I think a lot of people would be very interested in. But it also, again, you, Virginia is a perfect example of what happens when a system leaves a school and they make the wrong hire that all your CFF guys that you love from that team, even if they're still there, can lose all their value very quickly. Now, let's go to another school that did lose their offensive coordinator and we decided to stay invested in it. And that was the Western Kentucky offense. We were still big time into the Hilltoppers, Nate, throughout the entire offseason. You called the idea of Austin Reed being the starting quarterback really early on. And I would have agreed with you had I not been getting word that it was Jarrett Dagey the entire time. Because, I, I, again, Reed looked like the better quarterback, to, in my opinion, but... Once he got the job, I was getting him everywhere that I could. And he is now currently uh, QB6 on the year. He does not, again, I said this at the very beginning of the year. We don't need Zappy. We don't right. need Zappy for him to be a CFF option in, uh, throughout the season. Heck, if we got 90%, he would still be a top four QB. If we got yeah. 75%, he'd still be a top 12 QB. Well, he's QB six on the year because that's exactly what we're getting with this offense. They've been rolling. What do you think about it, Nate? Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I, I didn't love the idea of Jarrett Dagey, but at the same time, I was still willing to um, draft him in places. And then whenever he bounced out and it became Reed's job. I absolutely loved it uh, because he's just simply a more talented player than Jared Dagey to begin with. And there's no, there's no risk of, of there being um, a quarterback battle throughout the season. Should he yep. not play well? And for the most part, he has played well. I mean, there's been a couple of games he's been down, but I mean, you get some of what you got yesterday and that's a guy that's capable of putting up 400 yards and six touchdowns on, on any given Saturday. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a situation where we continue to invest in that offense because Arbuckle is a disciple of Zach Kittley. So you are getting a form of Zach Kittley's offense. It's not like Virginia. Yep. Where they're bringing in a totally new staff and the staff has been just totally terrible when it comes to CFF. So yep. um, yeah, you're, you're getting that, that, uh, that leftover um, coaching tree that, that is uh, exactly what you want. And so, yeah, it's, it's proven to, to play out very nicely for both the quarterback as well as the wide receivers. 
Yeah, the one thing I would say is a little bit different this year is that we don't have a we don't have quite the Jarrett Stearns. We don't have the we don't we don't have the Mitchell Tinsley top two top twelve wide receivers here. We got Malachi Corley. He's currently wide receiver twenty five on the year. He's been doing very very well. David Davis not as well down at wide receiver fifty on the year, but he's had really good games here and there. They're just spreading the ball out a little bit more to different guys because guys like Dalvin Smith, Jalen Hall. Uh, Michael Matheson. These are all guys that have kind of stepped up for them. Joshua Simon, he gets a touchdown here or two uh, there. Uh, we liked him at the beginning of the season. He clearly isn't as consistent as we would want him to be. But at the same time, like, I'd say that's a little bit of the difference here. But even still, like, clearly we still have a system here that's producing CFF guys on a week-in and week-out basis. So nothing to complain about there. Any more thoughts before we move on, Nate? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, Nate, it's your turn to go a victory lap on one of your takes from the offseason, and you nailed some action sleepers this year. So let's go ahead and talk about your two guys here. Yes. Yeah, so I put out before the season started a G5 Dynasty Sleeper article um, that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, to be honest with you, because I, I knew that I was... You know, these are deep, deep sleepers. Like a lot of the guys on this article are just simply guys that a lot of people that play fantasy football have never, literally never heard of. Yep. And that was that was kind of the point was, the, and, and I knew that the hit rate would be really low on that article. But to have, I mentioned to a couple of the guys that I highlighted was Devontae Walker, wide receiver uh, for Kent State, and then Cy Bangara, the running back at Ohio. And those dudes have been total nails this year. And um, I, I knew that it'd be nice if a couple of guys were hits from that article. But when I was thinking hits, I was thinking, okay, guys that'll occasionally get you 10 to 12 points or whatever. But I, I think there's a legit chance that we're looking at two guys next year that are going to be top 20 in their position when we come out with our preseason rankings. I, mean, oh, I, think, that, I think there's, I think there's a legit chance that that could happen. And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely take a victory lap on, on hitting on a couple of those guys there. Yeah. The, again, health being a little bit of a, um, barrier for these guys right now, say Ben Garrett's definitely been banged up a little bit. Um, but again, he had a three-week stretch where he had three top 30 performances at running back, one of which was a top two—he finishes the RB2 on the week, and I don't think that's going to slow down once he comes back and is healthy. He should be good to go. And then, in addition to that, Devontae Walker, currently the wide receiver 23 on the year, easily outperforming our preseason wide receiver one for the Kent State offense, Dante Cephas, who is down as the uh, wide receiver 60 on the year so he so Devontae walker's been an absolute nail granted he's been a little bit healthier than cephas has during the season and he clearly just becomes a deep threat because again as nate mentioned in his article when he first talked about walker walker's athleticism for the mac is off the charts off the charts he is there there's going to be hardly any defense that could truly stop a guy like walker if he can get behind your guys and it helps that they have a pretty good quarterback in colin schley whenever he is healthy obviously he's been banged up and he has been limited, but you have thought I mean, he's yeah. I was just gonna say he's somebody that most of what we do is geared towards CFF. But I mean, I know we have a lot of listeners that are also C two C guys. And yep. Devontae Walker, it's not often you get Maction guys that get an invite to the combine. But if he puts up another really big year or two, he could get that invite. And he's yep. somebody that will. Um, put on a pretty good show when he if he were in a combine setting so um i think there's legit uh you know sunday upside with him yeah love the call there 
Last but not least, I'm going to go on my little victory lap. I had a couple quarterbacks that was kind of going back and forth on who I could victory lap over. Garrett Schrader was one of them because when he has been healthy, he's been pretty good this year. Um, and he's been much better passing the ball again. Once again, going back to system, he had a offensive coordinator come in there, Robert Rene, and everybody kept saying he can't throw a football. He can't throw a football. Well, he gets a guy in there that actually, that can actually teach him how to throw a football. And wow, what wonders it can do. But I decided to go with Drake May here. Drake May was a guy that I was picking up at the end of a lot of best ball leagues because I just kept thinking, I'm like, if he currently has the inside track to get the job at UNC. If I were to, if I were to know for a fact that he has that job locked up, he would be probably a top six quarterback for me this year because that's what Sam Howell was every year uh, at in the Phil Longo system at UNC. And so I'm like, and Drake May, I don't say, I'm not going to say he's better than Sam Howell, but at the same time, like if he can run that system just as well, he's going to be a great CFF asset no matter what. So I just kept picking him up. And a lot of people can saying like, oh, you're picking, taking him too high. Criswell has just as good of a chance of winning that job. And then once the season started, it was very clear, honestly, that May had this from the very beginning. Because that first game, I forget against what FCS, I think it was like uh, Florida West or something like that. Florida a and Florida a that was what it is. The rat, um, uh, rattlesnakes or something. Yes. Um, oh, um, I don't know if you guys can see this, but uh, our new foster cat just hopped up on the table. Uh, everybody, this is <laughs> big, fat. big Drake May fan. The, he's a huge. The, he again. Uh, Maxine was big running backs fan. This is Fat Boy. Fat Boy, say hello. <laughs> fat Boy. Love yeah, it. I did not name him. Um, <laughs> real quick, I, I want to get off to topic off topic here, but again, his name is Fat Boy. Can't rename him yet because um, his owners, it's one of those situations where the owners are moving and they thought that they could um, keep their cat at the place that they moved to, but it turns out they don't have any, pe- they're not allowed to have any pets there. So we can't rename him yet because then he's going to get confused on what he's actually called. Uh, but yeah, that's Fat Boy, everyone. He is a very sweet boy. Anyway, uh, Drake May, during that game against Florida AM, he <clears throat> never left the field. And that was something that Nate and I discussed after that week zero, where we said that was shocking to us because we were we were so convinced that Criswell, especially in a blowout game like that, would get snaps. And no, they just kept Drake May out there, and that told me Criswell, as good as a, as a quarterback as he probably is, and he's going to make a great quarterback somewhere else next year. He never had a shot at this job. It was going to be Drake May from the very beginning, and I was very right to invest heavily in him throughout the offseason. Yeah, kudos for you for for uh, drafting him as often as you did. I, I was not one of those people that did because I was terrified of the fact that he would not either win the job or at the first sign of him not succeeding that he could lose the job. Because I I am a big believer in Jacoby Criswell and yeah. and he's somebody he that yeah he's somebody that um you know I'm gonna put out a an article based on just kind of what ifs in the transfer portal. And I think he is one of the, definitely one of the top three quarterbacks that we're going to see enter the transfer portal. And if he lands somewhere, I think he's really, really good. Um, but obviously Drake Mays is absolute yeah. superstar. So um, yeah, man, props to you for investing in him because it is, it is certainly paying off. I mean, he was a guy that you could get, you know, round 20 plus yeah. towards the towards the end of the spring there as as they continued to not name a quarterback so yep uh yeah worked out well worked out very well he's currently qb3 on the year all righty y'all let's get into some of these waiver wire pickups so 
most mostly here we're talking about guys who we typically talk about in terms of like they've been performing well recently you should put them on your roster but nate and i specifically wanted to really focus in on some guys that have really really good schedules over the next three weeks as you are in a playoff games this week or you're trying to get that one last win to secure your playoff spot and so we're going to talk about some of those guys here and we'll get to the quarterbacks first we'll also dip in a dynasty play or two depending on how if we got enough waiver wire pickups or not so first things first let's get to the quarterbacks here we're going to start with Shavon Cordero the quarterback out of San Jose State rostered on 35 percent of rosters I'll be real overall I'm a big fan of the San Jose State offense moving forward especially over the last three weeks their next three games are San Diego State Utah State and Hawaii those are three real, just pretty rough teams overall. The, those are None of those defenses really strike the fear of God in me in terms of like, oh God, can San Jose State and this offense really put up points on them? No, I fully expect them to be able to find their fair share of points week in and week out with those last three teams. And like I said, Javon Cordero only on 35% of rosters, and he has thrown 40-plus times in the last three weeks, and he consistently uses his... Uh, legs on the ground uh, every once in a while he'll have a dud on the ground in terms of getting sacked multiple, multiple times that's kind of the downside of Cordero is that San Jose State has been I believe is the number one team in the country in terms of giving up sacks so there's a little bit of risk there but he is still finding his fantasy points on a week in and week out basis Nate what are your thoughts on Cordero yeah, I don't have too much to add. We've talked about him before. He's somebody we've mentioned. Um, you know, San Diego State, Utah State are okay matchups, but I, I wrote down a list of 10 defenses that I would want my players going against in the playoff weeks more than any other defenses. And Hawaii, Hawaii. easily made that list. They are atrocious. Um, so if anything else, if he's available, you need to pick him up. And and even if you don't play him the next two weeks, that championship matchup oh, yeah. against Hawaii, his old school. I'm sure he's going to want to stick it to them a little bit, or at least prove that he's, you know, he's the man. Um, that's a that's a that's a beautiful beautiful championship matchup that you could see easily 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. I mean, that, that's the kind of game yeah. you can get out of him there. So I would say that that is a defense that there's a lot of defenses that can take advantage of uh, San Jose State's poorest offensive line Hawaii is definitely not one of them you have no problem there whatsoever yep. absolutely next one up here Nate has already warned me that he is going to shoot me down on this one but I'm going to go <laughs> through with it regardless and I understand why I understand why it is he's had a rough couple of weeks the past couple of weeks he's not looked very good but I can't deny what I like in terms of this upcoming schedule I'm talking about Mr. Hunter Decker's quarterback out of Iowa State. Felix, be proud of me. Uh, he <laughs> rostered on 24% of rosters. Upcoming weeks, he has Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and TCU. Are there three secondaries in the Big 12 you would rather your quarterback go up against? I don't really think so. Those are all three teams that have definitely given up a ton throughout the air. And Hunter Deckers has been getting quite the volume recently. Again, hasn't been doing a whole ton with it. Definitely struggled against Kansas State. Definitely struggled in the game against Oklahoma for the most part. Three interceptions in that game. But even still, he's had several games this year of 30-plus points. 
He is absolutely a guy that if I were making a playoff run, I would go ahead and grab and stick him on my bench as a great backup option and somebody to plug into, especially if your top quarterbacks you're relying on definitely are, are somehow out, or maybe they just have a bad matchup in the playoff weeks and you just need somebody to plug in and think that he'll get 30 points on the week. So, Nate, I've already warned the audience of your intentions <laughs> here, your mal-intentions here, but... What are your thoughts overall on Deckers? My thoughts would be start him. If you want 18 points, start him. And I hope that happens against me in playoffs because I will beat you if you're playing me in the playoffs and your quarterback gets you 18 points. That, listen, I, I put together an article recently where I, I highlighted the guys that I thought would have really um, – a rise that they would see in the second half of the season. And Hunter Deckers was somebody I put on there because of like, you've mentioned these matchups. Here's the problem though. Whenever I wrote that, that was before they played Oklahoma and West Virginia, who I would say are other outside of maybe Kansas, the two bottom defenses in all of the big 12. And he averaged like 17 points a game against those teams and the volumes there, but the production is not, he's got one wide receiver that's producing, uh, it's just they play a slow kind of methodical type where you down. It's just it's not it's it's not what I want from from a guy that I that I want to. I just don't know that I'd roll the dice on him in the playoffs. That's that's my thoughts. And I do think that Oklahoma State is a better defense than what they've showed lately. They're just all banged up, so you don't know what you're going to get out of them. I'll say that. Okay, I'll go to maybe they're I'll shooting. Go to my, I'll... I, I will I will say with Texas Tech and TCU. He, they're going to play fast, and he is going to be forced to throw the ball forty plus times. That's for sure. Will he do anything with it? That's for not. That's definitely not for sure. I'll go to my little hut of shame after <laughs> you've completely eviscerated my hope for Hunter Deckers. There, let's go on to another guy that I'm hopefully that you can like a little bit better here, and that is T.J. McMahon, the quarterback out of Rice. Yes, I am talking about a quarterback out of Rice here. McManon has been on a roll recently against uh, Louisiana Tech scored 33 points against Charlotte scored 25 points against UTEP scored 29.66 points. Now, I can already hear you guys through the screen telling me, Jared, what, whoa, 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 Jared, 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 those are terrible, terrible defenses. Like, you can't, you, you can't expect me to believe that he's going to continue to do that output if he doesn't go up against good, against good defenses, to which I would say, yes, I would agree 100%. Here's the thing. Here are his next three matchups. Western Kentucky, UTSA, and U North Texas. Two of which are in the bottom 20 in passing defenses. Western Kentucky, a little bit of a tougher matchup, but we have seen them give up plenty of points in different matchups throughout the season. That's the only one that I'm a little concerned out of those three, but even so, UTSA and UNT... Plenty of shootout potential. We have seen McMahon really step up recently. He has two really good wide receivers, one of which we'll talk about later, one of which we've already talked about in Luke McCaffrey, the transfer from Nebraska, younger brother, Christian McCaffrey. He has really stepped up at the wide receiver position. He's got weapons to work with. And so, and especially with Ari Broussard being out lately, they don't have really a great option at running back. I like the potential of McMahon moving forward in these next three weeks. Nate, do you like him a little bit better than Deckers? I do. Yeah, I definitely like him better than Deckers, uh, which is crazy. Uh, if if you you know if we were talking about this preseason wise, I like the Rice quarterback better than I like Hunter Deckers. Um, but I mean, yes, 
the defenses he's played the last few weeks have been terrible. Uh, and I do think Western Kentucky and, and San Antonio and North Texas are all better defenses than what he's probably seen with Charlotte and at least Louisiana Tech. But there's also more shootout potential there. Um, there the volume should be there. Rice is going to have to keep up with these offenses. And Western Kentucky, UTSA, and North Texas are three of the better offenses um, in the G5. So yeah, I think there's I think there's a good chance we we see him, you know, have to throw the ball 35 plus times and run the ball 10 plus times, which is what you want. You want that volume. So I, I like yep. it. I like that call. Last quarterback we'll talk or not the last quarterback. Last non-dynasty play quarterback here that we'll talk about here. And that is Mr. Tyler Shuck. We're breaking a rule here. Uh but Nate uh was crying throwing a fit uh basically <laughs> what, what said he wouldn't do the show today unless i let him talk about tyler shuck at texas tech because of course we have to talk about the texas tech quarterback position we've been doing it all year why stop now this <laughs> that's that's so true and i hate i hate talking about tyler shuck who i think is not even a good quarterback but here we are we're going to do it <laughs> because we don't know what the situation is with Baron Morton and the seriousness of that injury. And uh, it, it certainly did not look like he was happy or comfortable on the sidelines whenever he was taken out of that game. I believe he was in so, a boot as well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that there's a legitimate chance that he's, he's out at least a game or two and Kansas and Oklahoma are two of the three playoff matches that you'll see. Iowa state's not a good matchup. I probably would not start, uh guys against iowa state uh in the um uh in playoff matchups but even though even though taylor shook isn't good even though he didn't perform very well against tcu it's still this we've talked about it it's the zach kitley quarterback and if he's going to be the one and i can promise you they will start him over donovan smith do not fall do not fall for what is about to come and that is oh baron morton's Maybe hurt, maybe not. We're willing to play three quarterbacks. If one of them can't go, we'll definitely play two. Yeah, Donovan Smith will get like six snaps, okay? And it's going to be mostly Wildcat. Tyler Shook's the guy that they they want either Tyler Shook or Baron Morton to run this offense. It's not Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith might as well just go ahead and enter the portal today because that's where he's going to end up in in a month. So um if if he is if if Baron Morton's out, that Kansas matchup is is still pretty, pretty juicy. So um I, I I think he's I think he's worth paying attention to. Little preview for your upcoming article about the transfer portal and everything. Nate, is Donovan Smith a name that people will find on there? Yes, he will. He will be on there. I think what's what's going to be really interesting. I don't want to go too much on, on off on a tangent here, but will he stay try to stay P five because he feels like he's proven enough there at Texas Tech, or will he go the G five route? If he went the G five route and followed his old OC to Louisiana Tech, like we thought might happen over the last off season, mm-hmm. he's a really, really viable fantasy option. If he tries to, you know, stick around in the, in, in the P five and, and, and does that thing, it's, it's probably not the best matchup, but the tools are there depending yeah. on the system. He could be a really, really nice player. He's just not the right fit for this system. Yeah, a dual threat quarterback in the right system is always something you want to keep your eye out for CFF, and it was absolutely always better late than never. And that and that's a great segue for this next guy. I was say next guy up here. I have him labeled as a dynasty pick, but let's be real. Like he is somebody that you could pick up this year and play for the rest of the season. I think you would be pretty happy with him. Of course, we're talking about quarterback out of NC State, MJ Morris, rostered on four percent of leagues right now. 
ever since Devin Leary went down, they tried they tried a little experiment with um I forget what the other guy's name in. It, it, it he basically was so bad that Chambers. I for, Chambers. Chambers. I, I have I forgot I forgot his name and because they pulled him so quickly, they threw MJ Morris out there and it was a completely different game. MJ oh, yeah. Morris is a much better fit for this NC State offense. He really looks like the quarterback that a lot of people wanted Devin Leary to look like this year. Now, Leary's been kind of dealing with injury, banged up issues all season long. MJ Morris really looks like now the guy who's going to take over for Leary. Should Leary leave for the NFL after this year, which I doubt, or if, let's be real, there's a possibility that Leary could be entering the portal because of how well MJ Morris has been playing these last two games. Last two games, we have seen six touchdowns, from Morris, we have seen fantasy performances of 23.8 and 24.7 points. If those are her first two starts and he can only improve from here, you definitely, definitely have to love that. And in terms of how this goes the rest of the season, last three matchups. Boston College, who's awful. Louisville, who defense has been better, but I think can still definitely give up enough with MG Morris playing well enough. And then playoff week. Guess what? North Carolina. Yeah, Any baby. quarterback you can play against North Carolina in terms of your championship week, this might be your guy that you want to look at right here. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on MJ Morris? So, I after he came in the game, and, and what he did against Virginia Tech wasn't even a full game. He, he only basically played the last three quarters of that game because, again, they tried Chambers for some reason. He's a running back. They tried to play a quarterback. Um, but I went back and watched some of that Virginia Tech game because – I had only seen just some snippets of Morris. And when I watched that game, I'm like, holy crap, this dude can really, really spin it. Yeah. And so I started kind of digging a little bit deeper into uh, his his high school play because he, he is a true freshman. And he's a legit dual threat, too. And we yep. saw some of that come out in the last game where he carried the ball 19 times. Three of them were sacks, but still 16 times he was carrying the ball take out the sack yardage and he had you, you know, close to close to 60 yards on the ground. So um, he's somebody that can do it uh, with both his, his arm and his legs. So, and yeah, and you look at this, so dynasty wise sets up perfectly. Yeah. I would say perfectly because you do have still that Devin Leary situation that needs to play out, but we've talked about it. If, if he puts on a show these last few games um, and the matchups are nice, if he does, Kind of writing is kind of on the wall for for Devin Leary. You got a guy yep. that's got three years left in the system, or you've got Devin Leary who's got one year left at, at most. Exactly. So, and yes, he's got North Carolina in the championship week, and he's got Boston. Boston College has actually gotten way worse than what their ranking is right now on defense. Oh, they've yeah. been they've been so bad over the last few weeks. Uh, they made Duke look incredible. They made Connecticut actually look like a, a, a manageable offense. They the lo- they lost to UConn. They did. They did. Shall we and say more? <laughs> North Carolina made Drew Pine look like a fantasy god. Yeah. That's how bad North Carolina is on defense. So, yes, you want these matchups in the playoffs. And it just so happens he's also got a lot of dynasty value, too. Yep. Exactly. Let's go ahead and move on to our running backs here. Same deal. Uh, we got three guys who are, well, we got one guy who's like a hybrid, kind of like MJ Morris was. It's like hybrid, good value the rest of the season, but also very much easily a dynasty play. Two guys who are pure dynasty plays and two guys that are pure rest of season players here. 
let's start with Elijah Green, the running back out of North Carolina. Nate, we've been all over this running back room pretty much from the start of the season, and we kept hoping it would be guys like Amarian Hampton, George Petaway. Those would be the guys to step up, especially after British Brooks goes down. Caleb Hood was there for a while. He looked like he might be the guy, and then now he's out for the season. So, of course, we're going to go back to Amarian Hampton, George Petaway, right? Uh, no, because Elijah Green gets 22 carries and 91 yards and a touchdown in this game against Virginia. And anytime you got a running back room like that, that looks like it's a mess, and then all of a sudden one guy gets 20-plus touches in a single game, I got to pay attention to that. And this has been a offense that has really, really liked to have at least one to two running backs that can truly rely on in the game. And Elijah Green kind of proved that he could be that guy. Final three games of the season, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and NC State. Wake Forest, 70th against the rush. Georgia Tech, 109th against the rush. NC State, 22nd against the rush. Obviously, don't love that matchup against NC State. I do think that will be a game that UNC will have to throw the ball in order to score in. But even so, that Wake Forest and that Georgia Tech matchup right there, those are two pretty good matchups for you right there. Nate, do you buy the idea that Green is the guy for UNC the rest of the year, or do you think this is kind of a fluke and we should be careful? I've been so just, I don't know, puzzled, perplexed, just everything. Done. That, yeah, I've been done. Yeah, I've been done with this UNC backfield. I, I thought that it was going to be Hampton uh, early in the season, just kind of ran with this job. We've talked about him many times. But here we are, and um, injuries have certainly played a role. But Elijah Green's looked good the last couple of weeks since he since he's been getting uh, a, you know more of the of the load. And uh, Virginia's not bad on defense, so it was it was a fairly um, impressive performance that he had. The thing the thing that you're probably going to be looking at is he's going to be touchdown dependent. The good news is is that UNC scores a lot of touchdowns, yep. and they're around the goal line a lot. So, um, yeah, I think he is uh, at least worth a look um, and probably worth a play here against Wake Forest and Georgia Tech. NC State um, just probably would want to base it on how he looks over the next couple of weeks. And if he's still getting 20 plus carries, then you could probably throw him out there. Otherwise, probably not. But the next two weeks, he he's certainly um, an interesting option. I'll say that. Definitely feels like a guy that if he continues to get this workload can be a guy that gets you to the championship. Probably not going to be the guy that you want in the championship. Yeah, it's just my only concern is is it is the playoff week. This is do or die. And man, it's going to be frustrating if you start him and then all of a sudden Caleb Hood gets like 15 carries. Caleb Hood's out for the season. Oh, is he? Okay, well, that helps. But it doesn't really... A little morbid, but... (laughs) In, insert running back X, yeah. Y, and Z for North Carolina. Yeah, That's I, 15 I, I will point out that he had 22 carries in this game against Virginia. Hampton and Petaway did not get a single touch. So that is a little concerning about what happens when did they he get all one. the carries. He got every carry outside Holy of Drake. May. Holy crap. That's that, again, that's the other part of like, I'm excited, but also like, what if they decide to start giving, splitting those carries up again? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that kind of changes. I, I'm kind of a little bit more on board now. <laughs> He's getting 100% of the carries. Yeah, Nobody got, else is even getting a sniff. I would say he got every carry except for Drake May. Drake May is still running the ball because he's awesome. Yeah. Next running back we'll talk about here. Going to go with Percy Agie Obise, the running back out of James Madison. 
injured at one point in the season, comes back, been dominant ever since. He has had four straight games of 18-plus touches. He has had four straight games of 90-plus yards. Hasn't gotten a touchdown in every single one of those games, so that's something you definitely don't love. But with Todd Santeo back, with the offense kind of humming a little bit more like it used to, I think you'll see more touchdown opportunities for them because James Madison will play, um, will be playing better on offense with Santeo under center. Even in this past week against Louisville, Obise was one of was the only guy to get a touchdown on the team, and he still was able to find over a hundred yards on them. So this leads to what does his playoff weeks look like? Well, this week he's got Old Dominion, who's 106 against the rush. Next week he has Georgia State, who is 112th against the rush. And then the week after that, you got Coastal Carolina, who's 55th against the rush. And you might say, ooh, 55th, that's a little bit of a drop. That's a kind of an average defense right there. It's like, okay, well, against average defenses, Aggie Obise is still the dude that's getting 100 yards and a touchdown as his base floor, basically. So I feel really good about grabbing Aggie Obise wherever I can get him. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, too. Um, This is a guy that has gotten you know, on average 20 plus carries over his, his last handful of games here. And whenever he's healthy, he, they're just, they're just feeding him the rocks. So um, I don't have a whole lot to add with it. He is a, uh, uh, somebody I would feel super confident is going to get me 20 carries, you know, 90 plus yards and a touchdown. And and that's really all you can ask for in a playoff week uh, is, is starting a guy with confidence. When you got guys like, uh, like we mentioned, Travion Henderson, just, checks out is yeah. Bonaconda, um Jaden odd yeah. where it's like 30 points or five points well I'm just talking about guys that just they, you don't even know if they're going to start Zach Charbonnet yeah is Bonaconda. I mean these are guys that just are late scratches and you have no clue he's somebody you know is going to be in there and and when he does he totes the ball 20 times for 100 yards and a touchdown so um I like that I like that play a lot in fact I would feel really confident starting him in playoff weeks yes absolutely Next up here, I got the Dynasty play on this one. Again, this is a little bit of a hybrid play because this is a true freshman, but he's also a rest-of-season guy, and Nate, you definitely love him a lot. You asked for him specifically for today's show, so I'll let you get started here. Yeah, Catron Allen, running back for for Penn State. Um, Obviously, in the preseason, all we talked about, and and rightfully so, was blue-chip stud running back freshman Nick Singleton, but here we are, and and I I'd mentioned it a few weeks ago that I think at some point we're going to have a conversation about Catron Allen, uh, you know, in in that same that same light that we're talking about Nick Singleton, and and since then, um, he is he has been a monster. Uh, the last two weeks is against Indiana and Ohio State. I mean, he he carried Penn State against Ohio State. He had twelve carries, seventy six yards, and a touchdown. He's been really relevant in the pass game as well. Two two catches. 13 yards and a touchdown that was against Ohio state. And then yep. Saturday against Indiana, 18 carries, 86 yards, three touchdowns, two receptions, 72 yards receiving. Um, so he's clearly their go-to guy. He is, he is definitely outproduced Nick Singleton lately. Yep. And um, I think we can, we can still count on Singleton and him being kind of a one, a one B scenario. Um, but they have Maryland Rutgers and Michigan state to finish their season. And, that's beautiful. Um, yep. Those defenses are not very good. And um, Penn State is going to lean on the two stud true freshmen. And I think Katron Allen is going to be the beneficiary of that. Yeah, again, I, I expect better weeks for both Singleton and Katron Allen moving forward. 
none of the this passing game for Penn State has really not stepped up this year. You don't have a Jahan Dotson up there. You have Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, and Keandre Lambert-Smith, who all three of them could end up going to the draft this year. Just even more incentive to rely on both Allen and Singleton moving forward. But I agree with you. Allen, at least from a CFF perspective, is the better one to have right now in terms of the guy you play in there. We'll see what Singleton does next year in terms of maybe a offseason in the system will allow him to kind of step up just a little bit more. But for now, Allen's definitely the guy that's producing. So I ain't going to argue with you one bit in terms of him being the guy to pick up from a just pure CFF perspective. A couple honorable mentions I want to throw out here that these are not guys that we're putting on. I, again, I put up these guys in honorable mention mostly because I don't love their upcoming schedules too much, but I still think they're pretty good CFF plays. You can pick them up. They need to be on rosters. Cody Schrader, the running back at a Mizzou, he's that dude from Mizzou now. Uh, it is very clear. Eli Drinkwitz has said this is our guy moving forward. He's going to be the one getting the lion's share of the carries. This past week got 22 carries. So I believe him. I believe that Schrader, if you get him in the right matchup um, these last couple of weeks, he could be really good for you. And then I already told you guys I really like where San Jose State is going these next three weeks. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out their running back, Kyrie Robinson. Uh, They're going to be scoring enough points where he's definitely going to get some points each week. And he's been getting points these last couple of weeks. He's been averaging anywhere from about 14 to 19 points every given week. And like Nate said, if you can rely on that week in and week out during the playoffs, that's all you can really ask for. So one thing on Schrader, Missouri in week 12. So in the semifinals week, they do play New Mexico State. So oh, God, uh, that's so, going to be yes, brutal for people. 25, 25 touches, basically uh, his last two games. Um, let's hope that continues against Tennessee and then you get New Mexico State, which is really nice. Yeah. I'm a little I'm a little concerned about Tennessee. Uh, sure. Yeah, it, it's no, in it's, Knoxville, and their, oh, their yeah. Russian He's, defense has been don't good start against. Him. Yeah. Do not start him against Tennessee. Do not. But if he can, if he if he can prove he's still the man, and he comes out of that game, you know, with another fifteen plus touches, then you get him against New Mexico State, which is awesome. Yeah. All right, let's move on to kind of two pure dynasty <laughs> plays here. Uh, a lot of people are actually suggesting that you pick up this guy. Um, you're picking, you're picking up this guy in terms of a CFF, pure CFF play this year. I don't love his next two um, his next two weeks matchups. So that's why I didn't make him an official play. But I'm going to talk about the running back of the UCF, RJ Harvey. This dude's overtaken Isaiah Bowser as the lead back for this Central Florida offense. He is just a more dynamic guy in this past, last week against Memphis. Now, granted, Memphis is not a great rushing defense, but it's still averaged almost nine yards a carry. Dude is very, very um, good compared to Isaiah Bowser. Clearly, Gus has realized this and has kind of moved forward. Also, I just realized something. Gus Bowser's on offense. The place where running backs become quarterbacks and where quarterbacks become running backs. Because I, I believe R.J. Harvey was a <laughs> was, yeah. quarterback at Virginia before he came over to Central Florida. So a little fun fact for you there in case you ever need that on a sports trivia night. Um, but again, I don't love this next two op- next two matchups again he'll get the volume he's averaged uh, 17 and a half carries over the last two games so that's always great um but then in championship week he goes against south florida they're the 112th ranked rushing defense in the country if you can hold on to him until then and he is still the main dude that is going to be an absolute absolute gold mine for you to have him that week so nate what do you think about harvey 
Yeah, I love Harvey. He's he's somebody, and we've we've talked about it. That man, I'm I'm working on a dynasty article that should you know, I'll, I'll plug it right now. It should come out next week. I, I'm going to highlight um, about 15 to 20 guys that I think are legit fantasy dynasty uh, options for next year. And he's somebody that's got two years of eligibility left after this one. And but I, I'm one of my rules is I'm trying to keep it below five percent ownership. And I just have a feeling because he was I didn't I, I got caught up with birthday stuff and didn't get it out in time last week that I'm gonna regret it because he's probably gonna be picked up everywhere now this week and be well over five percent. I'm gonna oh, scratch him. But uh yeah, I I I saw the writing on the wall a couple weeks ago when they started playing Temple. I started looking at snap counts and he was creeping up on Bowser and then and I, then he really performed well against Cincinnati, and now he's followed it up again. Yeah, he's. They have finally said, "Okay, Bowser, you're fine. We'll use you around the goal line and that type of thing." But my God, you're inefficient. Or taking R.J. Harvey because he just he's very efficient, and yes. he's got he's got better size than Johnny Richardson. So he's he's a he's a good candidate to get um, a lot of touches going forward. Yeah, and Bowser's out of eligibility after this year, so they're they're not worried about him next year. Yep. and we shouldn't be worried about him next year. <laughs> next running back we'll talk about here again another pure dynasty play i don't like his <clears throat> end of year schedule here he's got wisconsin minnesota nebraska those are going to be all low scoring games because he plays for iowa and that's an offense that doesn't like to score a lot of points except for this last week for some reason but we're going to talk about caleb johnson the running back out of iowa i didn't expect caleb johnson to i expect him to get some carries this year because that running back room is a little depleted I did not expect him to be the guy by year's end, but here we are against Purdue last week. 22 carries, 200 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, The week before, 14 carries. His number of carries have been creeping up over the last four weeks. I think Iowa is starting to make some changes for their offense. I think that um, Ferentz is starting to feel the fire just a little bit finally, I guess. But a big part of their success the last couple of weeks has to come with Caleb Johnson here. Uh again, I'm 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 just very impressed that he's taken over the backfield so far. He's only rostered on 10%. If you're in a dynasty league and he's somehow available, go pick him up right now. No reason yeah. for him to still be there. No yeah, no doubt. He is he is somebody that is a good combination of speed and or I'm sorry, uh size and explosiveness where he's just clearly the better option and fighting this this staff is so allergic to change but he has forced their hand because he's just clearly better than the other options that they have in the room um and and i had i'd really cautioned people on investing in gavin williams before the season started and part of the reason was is Good that call. i thought I thought both running backs, I didn't know the offense would be this bad, but I thought both running backs behind him were better than him. And that's proven to be the case. uh, Williams is just a plotter. Caleb has two carries over 70 yards so far this season. Uh, Most recently this week against Purdue, where he had a 75 yarder. Their offense is still going to be bad next year. Kirk Ferentz will be back. I can't imagine his son will be back running the offense. Uh, Who knows? Maybe it will be, but um, you would think that there will be some changes this offseason and that maybe that offense is at least a little bit better next year. So he becomes a pretty solid dynasty play because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I, I just looked it up for curiosity's sake. Gavin Williams has how many fantasy points on the year, you think? Oh, I don't know, 12? 17.6. <laughs> I would say that he, he had nothing. It's probably, 
he's probably averaging three carries uh, uh, uh three yards a carry i mean he's, he's he's not good oh he's not good at all um let's move on to our wide receivers here i mentioned earlier about a rice wide receiver that we need to talk about and here he is uh, again, we've talked about Luke McCaffrey before. He's obviously been getting a ton of targets, but we need to talk about the guy who is probably the more explosive option for this Rice offense. And over the last um, four weeks, we have seen three 100-plus yard games from this man. We have seen a touchdown in each of the last four games. Two weeks ago against Charlotte, he had two touchdowns. Talk about Bradley Rosner. Like I said, wide receiver out of Rice. Tons of stuff to love here. Again, I talked about earlier, Rice's schedule over the next three weeks sets up beautifully for a passing attack. Western Kentucky, 78th against the pass. UTSA, 111th against the pass. North Texas, 125th against the pass. And if Rice also gives up points in in those games, tons of shootout potential here. Great, great environment for an explosive option like Rosner to absolutely thrive in. What do you think about him, Nate? So, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to add with it. I, I think similar to with the quarterback situation here, Rice, it's there's there's shootout potential in these games. And yeah. he's been a little bit feast or famine. But, I mean, he's got five games with over 100 yards receiving. And he's had multiple games where he's – you know, gotten double double digit reception. Or I mean, double digit targets. So, um, yep. yeah, I mean, this there's there's upside here. So, I would say go ahead and uh, and and feel pretty confident here that he's going to continue this trend he's been on the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no problem there whatsoever. Next up, got a got a two for here. I got two of these this week because I wanted to talk about these guys, but I didn't want to make each of them separate. And I, you know, you guys know me. I like to talk about way too many players. So we're going to smoosh these guys together because they're on the same team. We're going to talk about the two wide receivers out of Texas A&M. You got Evan Stewart, the true freshman there, and then Moose Muhammad, who has really kind of stepped up the last couple of weeks for Texas A&M. Rostered on 32% and 9% rosters, um, respectively. And their final three games, Auburn, who has just been horrendous on defense this year, UMass, need I say more, and then finally LSU, which as good as they have been, their defense, have not, their defense has not been the strength of their team. A lot of you are thinking to me, Jared, you're crazy. The Texas A&M offense has been awful recently. What are you doing to me? Yes, they have been awful. Here's the thing. Two things. One, they have not been great with passing. But when they do pass, those passes have been funneled to two guys. And that has been Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad. You don't have to guess where those targets are going. Evan Stewart has had 10-plus targets in each of his last four games. Moose Muhammad, each of the last two games, 12 targets. Both of these guys have become the clear targets. Oh, and by the way, they're probably getting Connor Wiegman back this week, who it seems like is their best passing option quarterback for the Aggies moving forward. I like the potential of these two guys in the final three weeks. Again, LSU, some people might be a little bit hesitant about that. I think, especially with that being a home game, I think that's a better matchup for Texas A&M than people kind of give them credit for. And I'm not, again, if you've listened to me at all this year, I'm not a Texas A&M fan by any stretch of the imagination. I just like the way things are kind of lining up for these two. Nate, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. Crazy things seem to happen in that LSU-Texas A&M game that ends uh, the season there. So, but yeah, I think a couple things are happening. Uh, One, the uh, Connor Wiegman, 
who didn't even play last week, but Connor Wigman helps that offense because he's just a much better passer than um, Haynes King is. But two, I think Jimbo's trying to shake free from the stigma that is his offense is archaic and that he needs to get with the times. And so he's kind of, I feel like, has opened it up recently, the last few weeks. But also, I think their defense isn't as good as what he's used to. And so yep. they are kind of finding themselves playing from behind and playing uh, in a little bit more shootouts than what he's probably comfortable with. And and you're right. They're funneling it to two guys. These two are the ones to target. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, 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 even though I'm with you, I don't want to normally invest in Texas A&M. In this case, um, I get it. All right, we're going with another two for here, squishing these guys together. We're going to talk about Dorian Singer and Tataraya McMillan, the wide receivers out of Arizona, rostered on 36% and 29% respectively. Arizona, outside of this last week, really, has been an offense you just want to invest in. Uh, sometimes it's a little up and down with who gets the targets on a week-in, week-out basis. Singer has been awesome the last couple of weeks. Last week was an absolute dud, where he only had one reception for for nine yards, and then... Tetarai McMillan was the guy that went off, but regardless, these are the guys that if you put them in with the right spot, I think you can find yourself with a ton of upside with them going forward. I can already hear Nate preparing to say, but Jerry, these are the playoff weeks. You need guarantees. You need guarantees. It's not all about upside anymore. And Twitch, I agree, but the guarantee is this Arizona offense. And I think that these guys are well worth the risk of knowing that if they go off, they could be a league winner for you in any of those week in in any of those weeks. So Nate, what are your thoughts on Dorian Singer and Tetraya McMillan here? Yeah, another guarantee is is that the Arizona defense is going to be absolutely terrible. And uh, they they made my list of ten teams that you want to start uh, your players against, and that's Arizona. So yeah, they're going to be in shootouts. Um, I like UCLA in the Arizona State matchup for Arizona. Washington State's been kind of sneaky good at defense. Um, so that one gives me a little bit of pause. But other than that, um, yeah, we've talked about both these guys before in the past weeks. Um, there's big upside with them. Anytime you can start a guy that could get you 35-plus points like uh, like Singer can, then um, you feel pretty good about it. And uh, I'm okay with taking some swings for the fences um when whenever they're that big of swings so i'm good with that yeah no problem there enough with these duos let's get back to one wide receiver only and we're going to talk about elijah cooks here the wide receiver out of san jose state rostered on 26 percent of rosters i've told you guys this is my third player i've brought up today about san jose state i'm investing in this offense in the last three weeks i like their schedule in san diego state utah state and hawaii i don't think any of those guys are going to really be able to slow down this offense. And Elijah Cooks has been that dude for Shavon Cordero. Again, I invested in Lockhart in the offseason. That was a mistake. Uh, Elijah Cooks has managed to stay healthy, and that has been a huge part of why he has been so successful this year. That was part of the reason why I was kind of off him throughout most of the offseason because I was afraid that he wouldn't make it to this point in the season. But here he is, and he has been on a roll recently. Four out of the last five games, he has had 10-plus targets. Uh, four out of the last five games, he's had 79-plus yards. Three out of the last five games, he has had a touchdown. Clearly one of Cordero's favorite guys to work with. I think in those matchups coming up, like I said, San Diego State, Utah State, and Hawaii, he will find what you need to win your leagues. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, similar to uh, what we what we'd mentioned on Percy Agayo, would be, say, um, 
you can't ask for much more than double digit targets, you know, seven plus receptions, 80 plus yards and a touchdown. That's what he's going to get you. And you can confidently uh, start him in playoff weeks. And, and again, same thing with, with Cordero, man, that Hawaii uh, championship matchup just is, is just as enticing as, as any matchup there is. So yeah, absolutely. I want to apologize to my listeners real quick again for Fat Boy rubbing up against the mic there, and I'm sure producing <laughs> a very, very loud sound that probably hurt your ears. So my apologies there. Uh, but again, again, I love Elijah Cooks these last couple of weeks. I just took him in the uh, the CFF on Instagram, guys. We do the little competition and everything. Um, I just took him for this week against San Diego State. I'm pre- so I'm pretty confident in him moving forward. Last guy we're going to talk about here. Let's talk about J. Michael Sturdivant, not the guy on screen. Dadgummit, I knew I was missing one graphic. Um, <laughs> but J. Michael Sturdivant out of Cal. Uh, we knew that there was a possibility of this Cal offense having a little bit more passing ability with the addition of Jack Plummer coming from a, a place like Purdue where they pass the ball a whole lot. He was probably going to be a guy that can open them up just a little bit more. And there was going to be some wide receivers that were going to benefit from that. And it looks like it is going to be J. Michael Sturdivant down the stretch here. Last four games, he has seen 10-plus targets in each of those. He has not really seen the yardage that a guy like Elijah Cooks has been seeing, but he has reached 100 yards in one of those games. And three out of the four games, he has seen touchdowns. And in one of those games, he got two touchdowns in it. He is going up against Oregon State, Stanford, and UCLA. None of those teams strike me as teams that will be able to completely shut down Cal in the final weeks. I like, I like, I don't love his addition to your team. But again, if you're somebody who's like getting into the playoffs and you're saying like, oh, all these teams around me seem like that they have a lot more guarantees than I do. He's a guy that you can pick up and probably get a really safe floor out of each week. What do you think, Nate? I like him in weeks 12 and 13 versus Stanford and UCLA. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting against Oregon State. Um Believe it or not, Oregon State is really good against pass defense. Um, they shut down USC, the only team to shut down USC. And wind was a factor against Washington, but they absolutely shut down Michael Penix as well, too. So um, I probably wouldn't feel super confident in this week's game, but love starting guys. Stanford, another one of my 10 that yep. made the that made the list. You've got to start guys against Stanford. That's a that's a great matchup. So um, but yeah, love the matchups against Stanford and UCLA. If there's nothing else you're learning from this podcast today, and that it is that you should be very much on the lookout for Nate's article in the next couple, is it, next week we should see this article. Oh no, this is I don't have an article on guys to, on defenses to um, that you want to start players against. I just wrote down a handful of defenses before this show. I was like, oh, these are guys that I'm these these are defenses I want to target. Oh, you should I've write been, a, I, you should write a short I've article been. on that. <laughs> I, I think people would really really enjoy that. Wink wink. I do have I do have a dynasty article coming out. It'll it'll land uh, by midweek, so expect it by um, you know around November tenth or so. All righty, uh, a couple of honorable mentions here again. These are guys that are forty percent, and really we talked about them enough. Like I didn't want to throw them in here again. They got pretty. They each got pretty good matchups the last couple of weeks. Anyway, Sam Wiggles, wide receiver out of Ohio. I, I, guys, he's been incredible. No reason why he should be under forty percent. I don't know why I'm still talking about him. Derwin Burgess, wide receiver out of Georgia Southern. He has had one hiccup game really in the last like seven games. He's a he's one of those guys that's a safe floor for you every single week. He'll find hit the end zone. You'll be happy with him. Two 
wide receivers in Dynasty that I realized I did not make graphics for. So we'll, late we'll ads, just go ahead. Late ads. Late ads here, but we'll go ahead and talk about them. Uh, Sam Brown, wide receiver out of Houston. I actually almost put him on here as a, as a, as a late season guy, but I didn't really like Houston's schedule so much. Uh, and then Wesley Grimes, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Nate, you, you added him on here. You're the yeah. Dynasty expert. Go ahead, man. Another opportunity to plug the <laughs> – we should, probably should have mentioned this whenever we were talking about my article coming out next week. Um, both these guys will be on the article. Sam Brown, similar to RJ uh, Harvey. When I wrote this article last week, I did not expect that um, that Clayton Toon was going to go off for seven touchdowns and Sam Brown would be the beneficiary of two of those. Uh, but here we are. So um, I think he's a really good option for next year. He's he's a third year wide receiver, but he is still technically a true. Uh, he's still technically a freshman this year by eligibility because oh, of Lord. COVID, COVID and redshirt. So he has three years left after this one. Um, and we know Tank Dell is out of eligibility. Yep. We know that uh, Keyshawn Carter is out of eligibility, and so it's going to be him and um, uh, Golden. Golden. Matthew Golden putting on uh, the show next year. And I think that Houston's a, uh, they will be somebody that I will highlight as far as a transfer quarterback destination. Um, oh yeah. Because I think that that's a really good spot. Uh, so anyways, I think he's somebody to really invest in for dynasty, probably going to be a little bit harder to get now that they, um, you know, put up all those points. And Wesley Grimes is somebody that I'll mention um, as a guy for Wake Forest. We know that A.T. Perry's likely to move on. He still has a year left, but I think it's safe to say he's moving on. Sam Howell's already said he's uh, this is pretty much going to be his last year. Yeah. But we know that that there is plenty of opportunity to go around in that offense. And I think he's somebody that's uh, a very talented wide receiver in that group. Get, fun fact on him, he is the first Wake Forest wide receiver not to redshirt since 2015. That's Holy how much they crap. like it. They've redshirted every single wide receiver there over the last six years. He's the first, He's played in over five games now, or over four games, so he can't redshirt. They like him. He's going to play a lot next year. All righty. Gotta love that. Again, I know a lot of people drafted Wesley Grimes in freshman drafts, but he definitely seems like the kind of guy that if you didn't like how he was producing, you could have dropped him. So go check your Dynasty waiver wires. Definitely. Got two tight ends for you real quick, one of which is more of a Dynasty play, but also somewhat of a rest of season play. And the other one is one of my favorite go-to guys that people ask me, like, who's a tight end that you feel comfortable with a week in and week out? We'll talk about him here. RJ Maryland will be the first tight end we talk about here. SMU, incredible, incredible week this past week. Four receptions, 52 yards, and two touchdowns. Him and Redding absolutely went off. A big part of why SMU was able to score as many points as they did. Here is the added benefit. Again, I hate saying this because there is um, the unfortunate part of this involves an injury. But Redding, after his incredible day yesterday is likely out moving forward. He went to the locker room. He came back out on crutches. I doubt that we see him really anytime soon for the SMU. So that basically means all tight end snaps move over to this freshman four-star that you are going to be seeing SMU utilize heavily over the next couple of years. When Lashley was last at SMU, he had guys like Kyle Granson, who were absolutely incredible CFF assets. Maryland, I think, is going to be a huge piece of this offense moving forward. It's Like I said, now that the tight end snaps are going to monopolize towards him, he has some really good matchups coming up. South Florida this week. After that, Tulane. Don't play him against Tulane. But after that, 
Memphis. Memphis, 122nd bottom 10 passing defense in the country. He should be able to do pretty well for you guys. The big downside with Maryland is that up until this point, up until yesterday, he hadn't really had a true breakout performance. But now he's got one. Maybe now Lashley realizes that he can trust him a little bit more, and I like him a lot. So, Nate, what do you think of him? I, I totally agree with you. I like RJ Maryland a lot, too. He's a true freshman that um, had a lot of hype coming into this season. And, man, I'm, I'm pretty bummed because he was the last tight end that I cut whenever I was putting together our Freshman 50 article Oof. that went into the, the CFF guide. And it was it was really just because I thought Nolan Matthews was going to be pretty good there uh, at tight end, and he's done nothing, and um, which is pretty surprising. But RJ Maryland has all the tools, and uh, he's going to be a good receiver the rest of this season. And I think moving forward too, Lashley does a really good job of using his tight ends there. Yeah, especially when you have ones as talented as Maryland. Absolutely. Like Ma- Maryland could have gone to several big time schools and he decided to stay home in dallas so gotta love that last but not least let's talk about an older gentleman a guy who's been around for a little while here we got tyrick james the tight end out of tulane rostered on 16 percent of rosters man i was big on tyrick james coming into this year he had a really rough start to the year but now it looks like he's finally kind of catching on here he is catching pretty much everything thrown his way out of all the targets that he has seen over the last five weeks, he has not caught two of them. That is all, like I said, he has been seeing very good production. Uh, he has seen anywhere from three to five targets pretty consistently. He has found the end zone in three out of the last five games. And his schedule coming up is a little rough, I would say, mostly on the defensive side. Again, UCF and Cincinnati, probably not great matchups just from the side of it. But at the same time, he is somebody that, uh, like, Tulane isn't the kind of team that is getting into a ton of shootouts. They're just a very efficient team. James is going to have his role week in and week out, whether or not they're scoring 20 points to win the game or whether they're scoring 45 points to win the game. He'll be involved moving forward. They seem to be very trusting of him right now. And if you're looking for a tight end to just give you a safe floor week in and week out, I think James is your guy for the playoffs. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm with you. I think there's maybe... 10 or 15 tight ends out there that I think are pretty good locks to get you double digit points. And he is, he is definitely in that group. So um, he, he's somebody I feel confident starting in playoff weeks and and think that I'm going to get, you know, 10 to 15 points out of him. Yeah. Again, there's, there, there's, there's like this subgroup of tight ends out there at this point where I'm like, okay, you want safe floor, James, span mm-hmm. forward. Those are the kind of guys. And then we hadn't talked about James in a while. And he was one of my favorite tight end waiver wire guys last year. So, yeah, we'll keep it totally going. Totally agree. Totally agree. And with that, I think we will finish our show up there. Nate, you have been phenomenal, sir. Sorry we've gone a little bit long here. But, again, we had a lot to talk about, had some great games to recap. Got to do a little victory lapping, and we got to talk about a wide variety of different guys you could be picking up for your CFF leagues, whether it be Dynasty, whether it be for the playoff runs as well. Nate, we've been teasing your article pretty much the entire show. Uh, but anything else you got coming out for the for people? No, just this week will be the uh, some dynasty options, some deeper options. Like I said, I want it to be you know in in below that five percent ownership range, um, so that these are guys that you can almost guarantee are going to be out there. 
Uh, some of them may have crept over that based on their their past week. Maybe, um, but uh, yeah, be look be on the lookout for that. And then I'm gonna have a totally tinfoil hat galaxy brain article coming out on transfer destinations and QBs that could be ending up there. So um, be on the lookout for that. It's gonna be a super super fun read i can i can probably it'll, it'll probably be the the most interesting article that, that i think i've put out it's going to be just like that that gif of charlie in the mailroom from it's always sunny trying to do, do all the, <laughs> the conspiracy plots that's what this article is going to be about what if this guy enters the portal and he ends up here how's that going to look it's going to be so fun i i cannot wait and is this only quarterbacks or are you going to be doing one of these for running backs it's, wide receivers as well. it's definitely going to be quarterbacks because it's easier to kind of place those pieces you know because there's only one quarterback per yeah, team makes sense, you know that, makes that's sense. getting the run there there might be some um there might be some running backs that, that get involved as well too we'll we'll see I see how it. crazy I want to get with it. I, I need you to make one of those boards, Nate, and like take a picture of yourself <laughs> and then like make that the header of the article. It would be yes, absolutely I, incredible. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take, when I take the picture, I'll have like a, a cigarette just kind of hanging out of the side of my mouth. And it, just like Charlie from the mailroom, it's going to be great. Exactly. It, it'd be a little <laughs> arts and crafts project for you and your daughter. <laughs> Perfect. All righty. Again, guys, lots of great stuff. Again, go check out all the rest of our stuff at campusacanton.com. Make sure if you're listening to this on podcast, uh, go check out our YouTube channel uh, to and just to come see all the pretty graphics. Again, I work hard on them. So would appreciate if you guys see them. So again, really appreciate all of you guys. It's great to be back and I can't wait to help you guys win your CFF leagues in these last three weeks. So really appreciate you guys and y'all have a wonderful and blessed day.